What's up, fellow marketers? Welcome to episode 19 of the Marketing Help Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Harbison. Uh, another super awesome episode ready to go today. But before we dive in, just a reminder, a lot of great content over at the marketinghelp.co website. Um, we've got job search guides if uh, you're just looking to start your marketing career. We've got uh, development templates if you're looking to prepare yourself for a promotion. Uh, we've also got some frameworks and tools to use if you're a manager seeking to help guide your marketing team. So all that stuff is there. It's all free. Uh, just go to the marketinghelp.co, check it out. Okay, so today's guest, super, super pumped about today's guest. So Kelly Diley is the Assistant Director for Graduate Career Services at Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business. And what that means is she spends her, her time as a career advisor to students in the business analytics and supply chain majors. Um, uh, also includes uh, international students as well. But Kelly actually also has a podcast called Career Conversations with Kelly. And on that podcast, she actually interviews guests on their career journeys and provides tips and insights on, on navigating today's working world. So in today's episode, you know Kelly uh, gives some great tips on how you can prepare for your career, uh, ways you can stand out and expedite your career development. And she's got some great insights on that. But also, we discuss these behavioral assessments. You may get them you know, as part of an interview, but... Uh, she actually breaks down kind of what you need to know about them uh, when you uh, face those as part of your career. So let's jump in and take a listen. Hey, fellow marketers, welcome to the next episode of the Marketing Help podcast. So uh, I'm here with Kelly Diley, and a lot of you have been giving some great feedback about career development and wanting to get more into the topic of, of a career. Um, so Kelly, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on the other side of the table this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So like I was saying, you know, there's been a lot of interest in just just more insights into career development and, and you know, what people should be thinking about that as they navigate their careers. So, you know, wondering if you could just give us, you know, an, uh, an idea of what you do on a day to day basis, what, what challenges you help to solve in the career tra uh, trajectory of students. So just give us a background on what that looks like. Sure. And I am going to try to be as brief as possible with all of my answers. And if you want me to do any additional um, digging, please just ask. But Absolutely. sure. So again, I'm very happy to be here and talking with you today. My background is not linear. Um, I actually was a tax accountant turned recruiter turned career coach. So um, I definitely can also speak to career transitions and things like that. But for purposes of your question, uh, what I do here at the LeBeau College of Business is I work with our business analytics students and our supply chain management students in the graduate school. So I work with students getting their master of science degree. And in terms of career coaching, you know, I work with them from everything from document review to best practices for their LinkedIn profile to uh, doing mock interviews with them in preparation for interviews and all those different things in between, even, even up to salary negotiation. So my work is very interesting. It's very rewarding. Uh, no day is the same. And I also do have a high number of international students in my current role. So that's also given me um, some different type of students to work with. In my prior role at Widener University, I didn't have many international students. Mm. Um, and then lastly, I also work with uh, different organizations to develop new relationships, 
um, in order to help my students find internships and full-time job opportunities. Got it. Okay. So you've definitely seen a lot of, uh, I want to say different types of situations, or I guess I should, I should say, <laughs> given everything you've seen, you've probably seen you know, a lot of similarities and trends in terms of what kind of needs and help someone would need in a career development. So, um, you know, I'm curious if you've seen um, any real success stories, you know, someone who came, you know, thinking they were doing it right with their resume or the LinkedIn profile, um, you gave them some advice, and then now they're a VP of something somewhere. I mean, is there any, <laughs> any you know, a direct, directly related to your feedback, of course, but are there any success stories that you've seen just, you know, you know, the, the value of a career coach and the value of career development support? I mean, sure. And I, I can probably come up with lots of examples of people who went on to be very successful. But, you know, it's funny. I think I'd like to tell you about two student success stories, if that's all right with you. Yep, that's fine. Okay. So I'm going to give you one in my current role and one from my prior role. So in my current role, I mentioned I do work with a large number of international students, okay? And many of them are first generation. You know, they come here to this country for the first time. And sometimes they struggle with their English, which also affects their confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and one student in particular comes to mind. When I first met with her, she was incredibly shy, you know, even afraid to ask questions. And she and I spoke and she explained to me that culturally networking is not something that she is accustomed to. And she was very uncomfortable about the whole situation. And again, you know, she struggled with her English. And so long story short, I really encouraged her to step outside of her comfort zone, attend our various networking events, attend our professional development workshops and things like that. And she did, she attended all of the events and she actually landed an internship last summer with a fortune 100 company. And that same company just recently extended her a full-time job offer with an agreement to sponsor her H1B visa. So that is a huge accomplishment, yep. um, you know, given different things that are happening in, in our job market, our economy, it's definitely a challenge for international candidates to get not only job offers, but also get that sponsorship agreement. So I was just absolutely thrilled for her. She's, she's a lovely student. Yeah, that's great. That's a great story. Yeah, thank you. Um, and then in my previous role, when I was at Widener University, uh, there I was also the liaison to the College of Business. So my background is working with business students. And I had this, I had a student come to me and she was just set on working for this particular company. It was a major retailer. And she said to me, I want to intern for this company. And, you know, we talked about it and everything. And we went on their website. They did not have any internships posted. And, you know, she's very bummed out and I don't know what to do. This is my dream. And I said, look, this is what you can do. You can still send your resume, but instead of a cover letter, you can send something that I call a letter of inquiry. Hmm. And essentially what that is, is it's a letter where you tell the company why you are interested in working for them, what you can do for them. And again, this is just at the internship level. Um, and just, you know, tell them why they should consider hiring you, even though there's no position posted. 
Well, she, she came to me with this letter that knocked my socks off. I'm telling you, it was one of the best letters I've ever read to date. I mean, she put her heart and soul into it. I was just absolutely blown away. And I honestly, Eric, I didn't really know if anything would come of it. You know, I gave her the advice. Well, the company responded to her after about a week. We found a person on LinkedIn that she could reach out to and got the email address. She sent the materials and they said that they were also so impressed with, with her letter. They created a part-time summer internship for her where she was able to work on a special project. Um, And so I just thought that was an amazing, an amazing success story. She essentially created her own internship. Right, right. And I think two great stories that I think there's a lot to take from that, because you think about, you know, you know, um, two of those opportunities were created from, you know, people doing things that they may not have been comfortable with. So I think a mindset when it comes to career development is always the, um, you know, I see that image in my mind of of get outside your comfort zone, because that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. In both cases, that that happened here. Now, it, so in addition to, it's really a mindset shift you need to embrace when it comes to advancing your career because you're going to be doing things that you you know probably don't want to because they're not comfortable. Absolutely. Um, but what else matters for you know career development? For let's stick with this, the level of student. So you know, um, a lot of folks uh, graduated recently or getting ready to graduate. Yes. An uh, early stage, you know, they're they're a year into their first job. They're kind of rethinking it. You know, what are some of the career development uh, things that matter for for folks in that position? What should they be focusing on? What should they be thinking? Anything they should be doing? Um, whether it's a mindset or something uh, you know tactical they can practice. No, absolutely. That's a great question. And quite frankly, I wish I would have done the same when I was in my undergrad. You know, I'm a first generation college student. And so I chose accounting because I didn't really know anything else. I knew I was good at numbers. I knew that I would probably make a decent salary. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I tell everyone, and this is, this is obviously for, again, students, but even students that have been out of school now for a year or two, I think it is so important to do your research. And let me just try to, I'm going to try to be brief, but I want to elaborate on this because this is my number one thing I talk to people about all the time. Okay. You need to look at your interests and skills and try to do as much research as possible. What I mean by that is, look, (laughs) I'm, I'm the type of person that I think anything's possible with hard work, but you know, I'm also a realist and I'd love to be a food critic and travel the world and give my opinion about different foods, but I have no culinary background. So that's not realistic. Okay. So, um, I, I really encourage people to go on Google, LinkedIn, Onet, career shift, and learn about the field and the specific positions that you think you may be interested in. Okay. Learn about the skills that are necessary for those positions and also learn what does a person actually do in that role? You know, sometimes students throw job titles around and I don't know if they really know what is that person's day to day. And again, this can also apply to an early stage professional or associate. Um, So research. On top of that, you should also be talking to people in your field. You should be talking to people that are doing the job that you think you may want someday. All right. And again, find out what are they doing? What do they love? What's their greatest challenge? 
ask probing questions to really try to get a sense of, you know, what is this career really all about? And honestly, you should be playing the student card. Students should be like, I'm a student, I'm trying to learn, and they should be trying to get informational interviews with people. Um, and you know what too, like while you're doing all this, you're gonna actually be expanding your network and sharpening your networking skills. So all right. of these things, you know, that leads us down the path to networking. Um, I don't care if you are a high level um, executive, even if you're the CEO of your company, right? Networking and building relationships is absolutely crucial to be successful. Um, I also would say, Eric, in terms of what, you know, just in terms of this, this career development topic that we're on, communication is key. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is you got to be a great communicator, both oral and written. Mm -hmm. Okay. You need to develop outstanding communication skills. Storytelling is an art form. And I think sometimes people think, well, as long as I have the technical skills to do a job, I'm going to be good. And you, you probably will have a job, but I really have found in my career, I've seen it, that if you're a good communicator and you are helping people connect the dots and you know, giving them something to remember you by, by being able to talk about your value and what you can bring to the table. Uh, I think that goes a long way. Yep. That's and great. I'm, I'm wrapping up here. I got two more. I got two yep. more. Yep. I know this is a long answer, but the other thing is to be successful. I feel you need to say yes. When you're a student, get involved. Okay. Say yes to things. When you're an employee, take on projects that are outside of the scope of your position. If your manager comes to you and asks you to join a task force or take on a special project, say yes. I think that, and I want to see what, what you think about this too, but you know, I think that saying yes demonstrates your willingness to be a team player and you know, that you're committed to your organization. And I think it helps strengthen relationships when you say yes to things. Um, and then my last one would be build your brand. Mm -hmm. I think that Building your brand, some people say, well, what does that really mean? And I say, well, okay, it's how you demonstrate your value proposition. You know, you want to develop when you're a student and you're an early stage professional, you want to develop your 30 second pitch and talk about your key strengths and your specialties and uh, what you can specifically do for a company. And then I also think your brand is how you want to be remembered. It's sort of like your reputation, if that makes sense. So just in conclusion, I think there's five main things that people need to do um, for career development. And it's research. It is building a network, being a great communicator, saying yes to things and building your brand. Now, th that is a fantastic list that I, I hope everybody <laughs> is jotting, jotting down as soon as they're <laughs> running, driving or whatever they're doing, listening to this podcast, because I 100% agree on all these these um, these pillars because um, you know I've seen it so many times where uh, you know people are wondering why maybe they're not you know advancing in their position or uh, being overlooked for promotions if they've been there for a year. Not that tenure means anything has anything to do with getting promoted, um, but it's answering that question when someone says like, "What do I need to do?" and mm -hmm. what, "What do I need to do to better myself to give myself the best chance to get." the thing that I want, whether it's money, title, position, whatever it is. Um, so your point about the say yes, you know, being willing to participate, I 100% uh, I agree. B 
because how many, you know, so many companies have the fund committee or the uh, task, task force to figure out how to prepare for their 10th anniversary party or whatever it is. Yes. Uh, or it's, hey, we need, we need uh, someone to help build a, a customer council or something like that. Anything that, not, it's, it may be nothing related to your role, but what I've seen it do is, and you've probably seen the same thing, what I've seen it do is it gets somebody, A, out of their comfort zone because, oh, I don't want to sit in a meeting with people I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, believe it or not, that engineer that they never met before or have nothing in common with on paper, uh, in that meeting, they realize that they both had the same passions or ideas or things that actually get them to connect at a different level as a, you know, building a professional relationship. So um, had you not said yes, you wouldn't have made a, a, a strong bond with someone else in the company. And, I agree. Then, and then to your point, it's yes, um, the manager, the director, the sponsor for the, for the committee or whatever, uh, recognizes and notices when you're being the team player uh, mm -hmm. and you have to believe, but you know, when it comes to reviews and performance reviews, which is a whole different podcast, we can talk about that, but <laughs> um, True. when it comes to performance reviews, you know, the feedback's coming from all over the place. It's not just from your direct manager. So as you're working with other people in the company that helps to, and you're having a good experience that comes back to help you when it comes time for, uh, is it is it time to give this person a promotion, a raise, or some acknowledgement of their uh, willingness to be part of the team? Absolutely. And, you know, one more thing I'll add is everybody's busy. You yeah. know, we're all busy. I don't care who you are. The world we live in today, we all have 101 things on our plate. Um, and, and just try not to let that keep you from saying yes to things. Yep. Perfect. So in this list, and I'm going to share this bullet point list in the show notes, but um, if I'm sitting, if I'm listening, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, okay, be a better communicator. Um, what are some, you know, tactical tasks someone could do if they realize like, I'm not a really good public speaker. Uh, what can I do? Like when, when I get people that say, I want to manage people, like I want to be a manager. I said, you know what? Everyone wants to be a manager until they're a manager mm -hmm. because, because you're dealing with dynamics of people that you never thought you would. So what I recommend they do is go volunteer to be the coach for your your township uh, baseball league, uh, your 10-year-old your soccer team. Go be a coach where you're responsible for managing chaos and trying to get people to listen to you when they don't want to listen to you. And what you experience there will give you a good sense if you're ready to step into managing a team of professionals. And I'm not saying that professionals are the same as 10-year-old kids. Well, Maybe some that I've met, but um, <laughs> some people are right. Yeah, yeah, but but it's it's the you, you getting you know you're you're training yourself to get comfortable with um, trying to organize um, you know a group of people to get from A to B. So, what what are some tactics or tasks or or um, you know someone could practice three times a week? Uh, I like your idea about exploratory interviews. I think it's a great way to build your network, but like for communication because. People may think they're the best communicator until they stand in front of five people. Then, then they start to realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm not really that comfortable here. So what are some ideas you have there in terms of uh, tactics? Right. Well, and I also just, I totally agree with everything you just said. I love that example of going out and coaching a team and trying to rally up the troops, right? Right. Um, my, I would say my best advice going back, speaking specifically to the communication is joining Toastmasters. Right. Um, I have seen, well, let me back up. My best friend actually joined Toastmasters and she told me about 
when she would be presenting these topics. And a lot of them are on the fly. Like some of them you have a few minutes to prepare, others you have more time. Sometimes it's just completely impromptu. Mm -hmm. And it's in front of these large audiences. And so you're thinking on your feet and you are obviously practicing your communication skills. So I would say for a person that's really trying to strengthen that, I would say Toastmasters is a great option. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else when it comes to communication. I do think a lot of it is just um, maybe talking to people that are at levels above you in your company, because again, you still have to kind of be thinking on your feet. You're trying to impress, um, you know, engaging in networking events where you're asking questions of people and things like that. Yep. Great advice. Uh, a Toastmasters, I've I've seen it. I mean, I've, I I sat through one or two just to think about joining one. I never ended up joining it, but um, I I went through Dale Carnegie, which was which was oh sure yeah, which was which was the most probably the most pivotal moment of my career to get me out of my comfort zone. But mm. um, Toastmasters is a great through your organization, through your companies, just by asking around by saying, hey, is there a way I can get more involved in getting better communication? Start asking around to see if there's probably some other ideas that, that happen. Um, you know, or it's, it's, if you're a student, you know, be the lead for your senior project, group project, be the one that stands up in front yes. of the class to, to yes. give the updates. Or um, if you, if, if you, I'm just, I'm riffing here. I'm just thinking. No, about, no, I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting you and I'm sorry, but the, the group project and taking the lead, that, that's, an excellent, excellent idea. I, I agree with you. And it's almost like if you, if, and this is, I don't know how many students or early stage professional professionals are having dinner with family, but if you're having dinner with a group of friends, you know, the feeling when you stand up from the table, cling the glass, like you're going to give a toast <laughs> and everyone's staring at you. Uh, that's a way to kind of see what it feels like. And it's, it's comfortable because you know them, but it's uncomfortable because everyone's staring at you. But what if you gave a toast at the next dinner you had with friends just to see what it's like to, you know, be the only one talking to a group of people staring at you? So, again, just some things to consider about how to how to make sure, you know, and I am I able to be comfortable in these sorts of situations because they do stack up over time uh, to provide you with that, you know, stretching your comfort zone so that you're more uh, capable of, of being more comfortable down the road. And can I just quickly jump in, Eric? I, sure. I want to point out this, this made me think um, when I was in high school and college, I hated speaking in public. I'm telling you, I had anxiety for weeks leading up to a presentation that I had to give in class. Mm -hmm. And the, I, I can actually pinpoint what helped me get over it. And I'm sorry, I didn't think of it sooner. Um, but presenting at a conference, um, I was able to present at a conference when I was in grad school. And since then I've presented at a number of conferences and it, it's just gotten so much easier for me in the sense that I don't feel that anxiety anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm telling you, I would lose sleep over these things. I, I had a real, real serious case of um, a phobia of speaking in public and I'm not to make it about me. I hope that's okay, but I'm an example of doing it. And again, outside of your comfort zone, as we're talking about, but that also I think can be tremendous value to a person. Absolutely. And, you know, people think conferences like, oh my gosh, 200 people, 50 people, whatever it is. Um, think about your chamber of commerce or meetup.com. You can find a group of five, 10, 15 mm -hmm. professionals, a great way to kind of put yourself out there to see if, you know, it's a good way to start because you're right to your point of personal brand. 
what better way to get up there to say, hey, here's, you know, here's me, the, you know, professional who's a uh, expert in XYZ, and you start getting more speaking engagements uh, mm-hmm. that, that are, that are, you know, lo-fi, you know, meetups here and there, uh, it's a great way to start establishing, like you were saying, your values and what you stand for. Yes. So talking about advice here, I guess the question I have for you is like, what career advice would you give yourself? Or would, would you, if you met yourself 10 years ago, what career advice would you have given yourself? <laughs> huh. I've been asked this question before and I, without hesitation, can tell you my answer would be relax and don't sweat the small stuff. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes, well, and I, I've talked to students about this and my friends, you know, I really just overthought things in my, in my uh, earlier career stages, you know, um, I really panicked about things that weren't that serious. Um, and so I, I know that's very basic advice, but I shared that with a few people um, over the course of, let's just say the last couple of years. And they all were like, yes, amen. Yes. So that would be my, that would be my answer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I think, you know, it may sound simple, but I think it's very impactful because <laughs> I mean, just think about what you're doing in where you are in your career, whether it's 10 years ago or, you know, high school, college, those, those very, um, uh, those years where you know a lot of things are coming at you and you can gain anxiety around things that don't matter um, or they may you may think they matter but they really don't in the grand scheme of things so I think that's great advice yes oh thanks great um, not just uh, to give yourself 10 years ago but to give others today moving forward it's it's something they should uh, definitely be considering because there's much many more distractions now than there were even five years ago when it comes yeah. to um, what you do as it relates to developing your career. So um, the last kind of topic I want to cover is, you know, career development, at least in conversations I have, you know, I, I like to, I like to have individuals, you know, from a marketing context. So people looking for marketing jobs, I like them to look inward first, get a sense for who they are, do some real self-awareness stuff to make sure they know uh, they may think they want to be an entrepreneur, but they may, you know, they may not be able to organize, you know, themselves, you know, to tie their shoes. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, because it's, 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 it's easy to think you want to do something without knowing truly what your behavior patterns are. So my question to you is just, you know, behavior assessment, behavior assessments, I should say, and there's tons of them out there. And, you know, we had a discussion earlier about them. And I, and I think it's important to have you share your thoughts on this, because you've certainly seen more of them than I have. But, um, what should people be thinking about? Because a trend I'm seeing now for marketing roles when people are inter- interviewing, it's probably a lot of other roles too, is companies are asking uh, candidates to take various behavior assessments. Now, oh, okay. mm-hmm. what they do with them on the other end, you hope that there's a trained eye that knows how to read it and interpret them. But what should everyone be just be keeping in mind when it comes to these types of behavior assessments? Absolutely. Uh, And this can be for anyone in any field at any stage. But I would say I think that the most interaction I've had with these are with students that are either completely undecided about what they want to do, uh, early career professionals who think they may have made a mistake. In other words, they have their bachelor's degree, they're now working and they're questioning everything. They're not happy. Uh, as well as people that are very one-tracked with 
you know, I'm going to be an engineer because my parents told me to be an engineer. I'm going to be a doctor because my parents told me to be a doctor. So I think that there's value in assessments. Um, specifically, I'll talk about the strong interest inventory and the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Um, I, I think that they're a good starting point for a person to, you know, take a look at what, what is the assessment telling me? Uh, the strong interest inventory is going to look specifically at your interests as it pertains to certain occupations and certain fields. And the Myers-Briggs is going to look at your personality type and what are some careers that you would probably be happy in based on the way you answered these questions. Um, Oftentimes, those students will say, well, this test told me that I should be X and I don't agree with that. And I tell them, first of all, it's not a test. It's an assessment right. that has been tested for, you know, reliability and validity, but it, it's not, um, it should not be the Bible as far as what career path you take. So I think if you go into it with the mindset of this is just one more tool that I'm going to use to take a look at what are some options for me? I think they can be very good. And um, I also highly recommend anytime a person takes an assessment that they do meet with a career coach to go over those results because they can actually be very confusing. Now, I, I know that you and I were talking offline and I said, you know, obviously people can read and they can read the results, but the Myers-Briggs can actually be very confusing if you are not a trained career coach in that assessment. Um, so I, I would say they're great tools, but don't put everything into what that assessment is telling you. I would just use it as a means to explore other options that you maybe didn't think of before. Right. Yeah, that's good advice because uh, I think because there, I don't think there's any course that anyone has in college that says, hey, get ready for these 18 different types of assessments you may be asked to take. Right. Um, so a lot of people may just be confused and I, and I and I and I know you have these conversations with with students, and I have them with students about, you know, they they come asking like, what does this mean, and and mm -hmm. why are they asking me to ask you know, answer these questions that have nothing to do with, you know, a paid search role, uh, but it just you know trying to help them dis decipher why it's important and uh, it's okay to answer them and answer them truthfully. Uh, hoping and, and knowing that on the other end, there's a trained eye that's going to be uh, assessing them and hopefully reviewing them with the candidate if they get to a certain point. So, um, you know, just good insights about that, because I think a lot of people can take a, uh, a black and white stance on these sorts of assessments. But I think it's important to understand based on your what you're sharing about how we should be thinking about them. Absolutely. Cool. So, you know, you know, assessments are, I guess, one sort of tool, but what are some other uh, resources and tools specific to career development that you think our audience should be aware of, or more importantly, should be checking out? Oh, absolutely. I, I oh my gosh, I have a number of really excellent resources that I, I'd love to just briefly mention. Um, so just a quick preface, the majority of these are going to be for, um, students and early stage professionals, mm -hmm. uh, but, it can, but it can apply to any field, which I think is, is the beauty of it. So the first one I'll recommend is Beyond B-School. 
Beyond B-School is a website that provides all sorts of tips and career advice um, for business students and also graduate students. They do have some MBA and MS specific content. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really wonderful advice for anyone and they also have a good deal of free content. So Beyond B-School, if you can go to that website, I think you'll find a lot of um, wonderful tips on networking and they even have something called how to work a room and they, they just have some phenomenal resources that we all everyone in my office loves that one cool. um, also the two-hour job search which is a book by Steve Dalton and what I like about this book is he breaks the job search process down into manageable chunks um, he has this formula that he has all worked out and so I recommend that one also because I do have a high number of international students. Maybe there's some international candidates listening. Um, I recommend the international advantage by Marcelo Barros, who he was himself an international student in this country. He had to go through the sponsorship process um, and he's now become sort of like an expert in that area. Um, but yeah, The International Advantage is a book and there's also a website on it that's focused on helping international candidates find jobs in the United States. Um, the other thing I'll say is read industry blogs. Um, go to LinkedIn. LinkedIn even publishes lots of career development content um, for free. You don't have to have a premium account to view all of those things. Right. And lastly, which I think is the best resource, is people. <laughs> I think people are the best resource out there. And I know I've already said this, but talk to people and ask them questions. Yep. I'm telling you, I, I really can't say enough about that. You know, get those informational interviews, just ask somebody to meet you for coffee for 10 minutes and, you know, probe them, ask them about their, their career path, ask them, you know, what advice do they have for you in order to move up the rankings in your company? Absolutely. All, I mean, these are great resources uh, for those that are linkable. I'll add them to the show notes. Um, but Kelly, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a great discussion, great conversation. Uh, you've opened our eyes to some of these other uh, ideas and elements to a career development that we should be thinking about. And I'll make sure to include those uh, in the wrap up here as well. But um, where can our audience connect with you to learn more? I mean, if anyone's intrigued and wants to kind of pick your brain a little bit more, how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. And I also want to say thank you for having me. I've loved our conversation. Um, anyone can look me up on LinkedIn. My name is Kelly Diley. It's D-E-I-L-Y. I don't think there are any other Kelly Dileys on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, and I also have a podcast that I'm the host of, which is produced by the LeBeau College of Business here at Drexel. And it's called Career Conversations with Kelly. And a person can actually just Google that and it should bring them to the landing page on our website where um, season one, I'm going to be starting season two in the fall. Um, but I do have six episodes so far. Awesome. Yeah. If anyone's looking for another great career podcast, definitely check this one out. Um, it's a great listen and I'll include links to that uh, podcast in the show notes as well. Oh, thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate that. My pleasure. Kelly, thanks again for joining us today. And um, uh, we'll, we'll make sure we uh, have all this information in the show notes. People can check you out and connect. Um, otherwise, thanks for joining and we'll see everyone on the next episode. Thanks again, Eric. Thank you. All right, big thanks to Kelly uh, for her insights and, and tips on this episode, specifically preparing for your career journey. You know, some of those tips on getting more comfortable 
uh, being outside your comfort zone, uh, but also, you know, how to approach those behavior assessments. So check out all the show notes for all the resources that, that Kelly shared, some, some definite good ones in there. Uh, and if you too want to help marketing professionals, just go ahead and share this podcast or leave a rating or review uh, and help others discover the podcast content for guidance in their own marketing career journey. Uh, but also, if you're somebody who's seeking mentorship uh, for your marketing career, whether you know, you're trying to navigate the interview process or it's your first management role, you know, check out some of our, our mentorship programs we have at themarketinghelp.co. And as always, uh, let me know if there's anything I can do. Email me directly at eric, E-R-I-K, at themarketinghelp.co. Until next time, this is your host, Eric Harvison. Happy marketing.